Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay. It, we hit six years this week. Can you believe it? Six years of this. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who has uh, been with us for part of the time, the whole time, most of the time, whatever the time. Thank you. And as is always the case, whenever it's our birthday, I always try to celebrate with an especially special guest. And this week, we get to hear from the man himself, little Stephen Van Zant. I uh, honestly don't know how Steve does it. He is obviously the sideman in the E Street Band with Bruce Springsteen. He runs his own record label. He's obviously an actor. We talk a little bit about The Sopranos in here. I was imagining he would get asked that kind of stuff all the time, so I didn't want to bug him about it. Um, he also does his own solo work, which is so good, so fantastic. We talk all about that in here, too. He produces all these other acts. We go deep on Southside Johnny. We go deep on Darlene Love. And he's involved in a million charities. And we talk all about that, too. I really, and not to mention the Sirius XM radio stations that he runs. So I don't know how he finds time to do it all, but he does. And so we cover as much of that as we can in here. You'll notice the things that really get Steve excited are, one, the history of rock and roll, which we get deep into, two, his charities, and three, at the end, politics. If you follow Steve on, on uh, Twitter, you know where he stands politically. I love that he does. I'm there with him. And so we get into a little bit at the end. Anyway. He is publishing his memoir at the end of September, Unrequited Infatuations. So we talk a little bit about that now, but not so much because it's, you know, still a few months away. But we cover all of this. And if you aren't as familiar with Stevie's solo output, please check it out. Please. This right here is Forever, which is one of his very best songs. My Off his first album, Men Without Women. His album from about three or four years ago, Soul Fire, is one of my other favorite albums. Uh, also, we talk in here, of course, about Sun City and that charity single, as well as the fallout and everything that happened with that. Anyway, uh, there is so much to cover here. I love this man. I love everything he does and everything he touches because he is all about the true essence of the power of rock and roll. And I love him for that. Okay? And we wanted to use him to celebrate our sixth birthday stevie called me from his home in new york so for starters i have to tell you i um obviously i've seen bruce live a couple of times but i saw you live i live in denver and you were here about two and a half years ago on the soul fire tour at the gothic theater it was one of the best shows i've ever seen in my life yes and i mean i'm sure you know this it was the Gothic is a decent little theater, um, but there's like 15 of you on this stage. It was so meaningful to me, and I was watching it, and I've heard you describe music to you as being your religion. And I thought, there's got to be a connection here between music being Little Stevie's religion and the feeling of going to church when you're at a Bruce show or a Disciples of Soul show. And I mm. wonder if, like, is that a conscious thing for you? Are you... Are you a missionary for the good word of rock and roll? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I never, I, I, I never uh, really looked at it that way exactly. But, but uh, yes, the answer is yes. I mean, there's nothing casual about it, and and never has been. You know, mm -hmm. which which doesn't mean it can't be fun. Obviously, fun is 
fun is part of the mix. But but yeah, I, I fully intend to, 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 to try and do the best show anyone's ever seen uh, every time we go on stage. And that's with whatever band I'm in. You know, we, we try and elevate, you know, well, well, the, the, the main the main goal is to transport an audience, you know, and, I'm, and it's the same thing with the E Street Band. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I've, I've learned, I've learned the, um, the, the depths of what can be accomplished from being, standing next to Bruce Springsteen all these years. You know, I think, I think he actually created a new idea. Uh, which was having an idea, you know, yeah. and, and, and having a theme and having a big picture mm -hmm. that you start on the album and, and then continue into the tour, you know, mm -hmm. like, like the script of a movie. And I talk about this in great depth in, in the book that's coming in September, which, you know, is a, is a ways off. So, you know, but basically it becomes an experience that, that you know, you, you intend to, like I say, transport people for that two, two, two and a half hours, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, and take them somewhere uh, and, and then have their, you know, either emotions elevated or consciousness elevated yeah. and then return yeah. them to real life, you know, where That's they the will, <laughs> where they will, well, where they will yeah. leave, hopefully with yeah. more energy than what they yeah. came with, you know, more yeah. or, or a, a better feeling for dealing with the world that, than yeah. when they came, you know, that's, that's the goal. I know? believe it. And anyone who listens to your solo work and the albums you produce and stuff like that, it's clear that you have a belief of how that music should be made and delivered to people. And, um, like for instance, again, going back even the song soul fire, Uh, I just listen to that and I think I can't imagine anything better than this. This is exactly what music should be. It incorporates everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's better yeah, than I, Soul I, Fire? I, Nothing. I gotta, I gotta talk to you more often, man. Can, can, we, can, can we, can we do this like every day? Anytime, uh, anytime, yeah. Steve. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs. Also, it's just. Um, it's one of those things that, that just yeah. kind of sum, sums, sums it up. It is. <laughs> you know? it is. It's a, it's a it's summary a, song. Yes. It's like <laughs> everything that can be accomplished through music is is done in that song. And, it, you know, one of the beauties of your music, Bruce, whatever, the things you work on is horns are always heavily incorporated, which I'm so grateful for. And I miss horns desperately. I feel like nobody really 
and puts horns in music today unless they do it kind of ironically. Like if there's a saxophone solo in a, in a song now, it's a throwback to the 80s as opposed to being something unique and real and meaningful. Do you mm. find that? Um, I, I'm, I'm not that in tune with the modern world, so yeah, I, I'm not well, sure, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but, um, you know, it's a statement. I mean, it, it is a, it is a statement and a connection to the past, I, I think, uh, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and that's been true ever since, you know, we, we started and I just think some things are timeless. I, I really do. I mean, yeah, yes, it, it. it's kind of a, it's kind of a look back. But I'm always looking back and looking forward at the same time. You know, it's really, I mean, basically, I'm living in the moment now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. not nothing to do with nostalgia. It's something that I get off on right now. You know, mm -hmm. when I hear that, you know, when I hear those horns, there's nothing like it. You know, yeah. there's just something, there's nothing like it. I mean, you know, uh, they invented the fuzz tone to, to imitate the tenor saxophone, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, so, so it's a kind of like a, almost like a full circle because we, when, when the British invasion came and even the earlier blues bands, like, you know, the early Muddy Waters blues band or, or Howlin' Wolf, the, the, who created the template for what the rock band was going to be, you know, the four or five guys, you know, drums, bass, guitar, you know, sure. keyboard, and maybe a harmonica, you know, or two guitars. That sort of uh, archetype, I think, was, was basically a, a reduced version of the big band era, you know. Mm. So, so suddenly, um, everybody had to be a little bit more creative. And you hear that with, um, you know, the Yardbirds, full of Heart Full of Soul. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they brought in a sitar player to play mm -hmm. that guitar part. And Jeff Beck said, you know, why, why don't I just play it? You know, I'll put the fuzz tone on. And, you know, and so um, the, the whole early band thing was imitating you know, other instruments, you know, either imitating a bigger band sound, a tenor saxophone or, 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 or a sitar it might be, or whatever it might be, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that was extremely creative and wonderful for the entire sixties. Mm -hmm. And then as, as the sixties, you know, went on and as the evolution took place, you know, all of a sudden the Beatles were no, no, no longer imitating the horns they were using horns you know mm -hmm. they weren't imitating the string parts they were using strings you know mm -hmm. and, and so slowly and and that's where kind of we we kind of come in with the south side giant the asbury jukes mm -hmm. you know we were no longer imitating those things we were actually doing them you know mm -hmm. you you know we yes. actually had the five-piece horns and you know we didn't need to imitate that thing anymore yeah. Or replace it, you know, replace it with a keyboard or right. replace it with a guitar part, you know, now. So it kind of came full close, you know, you know, full circle from big, a big, bigger bands, you know, mm -hmm. all of which were all everybody in the in that band had a job, yeah. you know, to a reduced band where they're imitating a lot of those things, you know, just to save money, really, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and then back and then and then I, I, I've now broadened it back up back to where it originally came from, kind of, you yeah. know. And so, so, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a, you know, closing the circle. It. I get it. I get it. Um, okay. First of all, I could, I think I speak for most people when I could just sit and listen to you lecture about the history of rock and roll for hours and hours and hours, because no one is better than you at doing that. Um, in fact, I was thinking, you know, I know you're, I'm going to ask you about your book next, but I thought I, I would like if little Steve record uh, um, 
published a book on like his top 100 albums of all time or something like mm. that. You need to document stuff like that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, several people have, have asked me to do that, you know, to to do a, an actual history of rock and roll yeah. or, 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 or something like that. Um, you know, which I might get, I might get around to doing something like that. I might, cause you know, yeah. it's fun. Uh, it, it, it'll be a mixture of, uh, you know, I'm not really an academic. So, so I, I don't pretend, you know, to be always uh, factual in what I'm saying. I, 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 I try to make a distinction between my opinion and, and what is actual, actually a fact, right. you know, so I, you know, so it might be, it might be the, the history of rock and roll according to me. You know what I mean? That's, rather than, you know, <laughs> that rather would be, than probably me. be more interesting than the actual history of rock. <laughs> well, that's what, I, that's what I mean. Like, you know, I'm not really interested in, you know, doing all of the academic research, you right, know, right. you know, but I might, no. I might tell you like what I remember, you know, yeah, that, that, yeah, I, that I yeah. can do, you know. Yeah. So yeah, in the end, uh, you know, I, I decided, um, you know, I, I gave I gave the book a shot, which you know, we we won't go into too much detail. We'll probably you know we'll talk about the book when it's closer. It's coming out end of September. It's a long okay. way away, but you know, I touch on I certainly touch on this stuff in in, in the book, and uh, and it, and it's fun. You know, it's fun to talk about because uh, it was such an important part of my growing up. You know, growing up in the Renaissance, and I call I call it the Renaissance, and I don't I don't I don't uh, mean to suggest. You know that that's hyperbole in any way. I mean, I, I really feel, you know, when the greatest art being made is also the most commercial. You're in a renaissance, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what the '60s was. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's fun. To, it's fun to talk about. We, we were we were so much the luckiest generation. I, I can't even. I, I you know, I actually feel one, one of the reasons why I started my radio show is like I just I just feel sorry for like yeah. you know the generations that followed us who, you know don't have that experience of, of the thrill of great radio, yeah. of, of, of having a relationship with your radio station or, or with a DJ, you know, um, I really, you know, such an important part of, of, of my life back then. Now, I, I realize there's a million more distractions now, you know, you know, sure. we, we didn't have cell phones and internet and video games and whatever, but, right. but, you know, but, but that, voice coming out of the dark you know and, and that that you know that what what new magical music is he going to introduce me to tonight yeah. you know yeah. what i mean it was uh, so uh vital and exciting and and uh and you know and, and during the entire 60s we were floating on a, on six inches of mm -hmm. of just you know the the ecstasy of greatness yeah. you know there was greatness in the air i mean yeah. the the amount of greatness in the '60s pop music. Now, be, before FM radio, you know, before you know, just just AM radio. Mm -hmm. um, the you know the pop top forty. Yeah. You know, greatest music ever made, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The '60s '60s pop music is, I think, in some ways, the highest evolution. And mm -hmm. you know, you know, to try to try and do those little epic masterpieces. In, in three minutes, three yeah. and a half minutes, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, give, try it, you know, it's like, it's, it's impossible, you yeah. know, what they were doing in two and a half minutes, you know, three minutes, uh, you know, and, and just taking you to this entirely, you know, new place, you know, so mm -hmm. that excitement, I wanted to capture that and, 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 re and sort of, I felt obligated, you know, for these future generations that they should have access to that. Yeah to that kind of energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And that's the beauty. I mean, as I, to, 
further this kind of theme of mine is that I feel like in some ways is what you've pretty much devoted your life to, which is just, again, delivering the message of how powerful music can be when it fully washes over you, whether it's the music you make, the music you promote, the music you talk about, the music you produce, whatever it is, that seems to be the goal and the mission of Steve Van Zandt. Yeah, it, it's, you know, we need all the help we can get to get yeah. through uh, every single day, right? I mean, yeah. especially like now, I mean, Jesus, yeah. you know, these, yeah. these last four years, forget about it. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, so we need, you know, we need, we need all the help we can get. And, and, and a great song, man, it's it. going to go right to your soul and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to help. It's going to help, man. You yeah. know, yeah, you know, it may not, it may not fix everything, but yeah. it's going to, it's going to help for those, for those three and a half minutes. It's going to help. You know, I agree. Um, okay. Briefly, I should, we, we should talk about the book a little bit. Unrequited infatuations. I was curious if this was a byproduct of, of quarantine, like I have nothing to do. So I'll, not that you ever have nothing to do, but you know what I mean? I have less to do. So I may as well write a book or was this in motion before? Well, I tried it like 10 years ago. I have no sense of time. So 10 okay. years, 12 years ago, I tried it and uh, it just, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I, I couldn't figure out an ending. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have really an ending. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was such a, such a complicated thing. So here comes the quarantine and I get, I got some new managers, uh, really the first managers of my life. Uh, they're, they're only 40 years too late. Uh, <laughs> and they said, you know, why don't you, you know, give, a, give, give that book another shot, you know. And one of them, one of the managers actually suggested how to end it. You know, you know, not that it's the end of the end, but but it's sort of the a little a little again a little full circle closure, which really solved a, a big part of the puzzle for me. You know, so I said, oh, that does make sense as a, as an ending. Mm -hmm. So so um, I I kind of got into it. I, it. Yeah, like you say, it's not not like I haven't been busy. I mean, we the record company keeps me busy. You know, listening to demos and and mixes and picking songs and making suggestions to all the bands. You know, I listen to literally every song on every album that we put out, trying to maintain those high standards. You know, we we're always listening to records for the, for the coolest song in the world on the, on the radio station. I try to keep up with both of my radio stations, although I, I don't devote no, as much time as, as I probably should to outlaw country, you know, cause I have two stations on Sirius satellite sure. and, um, you know, I, I have a, a wonderful cat running it, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and your Jeremy Tepper and, 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 you know, he does a, he does a great job. So I don't have to really keep an eye on that, but, but the underground garage channel seems like it's always evolving and, and always, you know, I'm always trying to make it better. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, that keeps you busy. Uh, the, the curriculum was already online, which was a big help, you know, as, as was, by the way, most of the DJs on, on both of my stations, you know, they were already working from home. You know, maybe with one or two exceptions, which we had to get them the equipment, sure. you know, once the quarantine hit. So we were ahead of the game uh, with the radio stations. We were ahead of the game uh, with uh, with uh, the curriculum. Mm -hmm. We already had 250 lessons online, mm -hmm. which is free for teachers. Teachrock.org. Teachrock oh, yeah, okay. yep. um, and and um, uh, over 40,000 teachers registered and just before we went to quarantine, the, the day before quarantine, um, I visited our first partner school. 
really? which one of the most exciting days of my life after working yeah. on this curriculum for 15 years, uh, we actually had a, a, an entire school go become a partner. And, and now we're, we're increasing that. We're starting to have partnership schools all over the place. So I went to a, a kindergarten through sixth grade, you know, uh, in, in uh, Southern California and, um, and watched our curriculum in action, which is basically integrating the arts into the education system. I mean, that just kind of sure, sums it up, it. you know, and the difference it makes is night and day is all yeah. I can say. I mean, yeah. this, I think we've hit on the key to education of the future in, in a much, much more effective way than, than the system is now, which I think is failing. I mean, yes. certainly failing to keep kids in school. Uh, we have close to 50% of the poor neighborhood, you know, kids in the poor neighborhoods dropping out and 50% of them end up in the criminal justice system. You know, yeah. I mean, so that, that, that's completely unacceptable statistics. And, um, and, 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 and statistics shows if, if a kid will stay through high school, he has a shot, you know, they yeah. get a shot, you yeah. know, and that's all we're trying to do is give the kid a shot. But, you know, if they like one class or one teacher, they'll come to school. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we intend to be that class and, uh, to see it in action, man, I got to tell you, John, it's, it, it's exciting. And, uh, really? you know, I can't wait to get back to Morty's partner schools once this zombie apocalypse is over. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet. I think the show that you did in Denver that I went to was one of these teacher, I think it may have been like a fundraiser or something for local no, schools. What, what, what we were doing on that tour was, um, we, we, we give away, we, we say 500 tickets each show for teachers okay. to come to the show for free. And then, and then in between a sound check and a show, we do a seminar oh, about, about the curriculum. So we do, we yeah. do that every, every single show. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't just Denver. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea then, because I, I want to bring up Teach Rock because it sounds really uh, amazing. The idea is if you're, if you're getting art, the arts back in school, those kids that are not finding their way academically may be able to grasp onto some creative classes. And yes. that could be the hook that keeps them in school from then on. Yes. It speaks to a different part of the brain. Okay, Absolutely. It, it, it speaks to the part of the brain that the kids already come equipped with, mm -hmm. which is imagination, emotion, mm -hmm. instinct. You know, yeah. inclination. Right? right. Those kinds of things they already got. Yeah. So it's just a matter of us as you know the, the, the teachers uh, finding those things. Mm -hmm. You know, seek out the inclination and then encourage it. Yeah. That's the gig. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what teachings should be all about right mm -hmm. you know and and once they're comfortable because they're comfortable with that stuff because they you know they they come with it you know um then you can teach them in other words yeah. we ask them you know very simple who's your favorite artist mm -hmm. and they say you know beyonce mm -hmm. we say okay well beyonce comes from this woman called rita franklin you know mm -hmm. and rita franklin comes from detroit mm -hmm. and we teach them a little bit about detroit and she comes from the gospel church, and we talk about that. And she got involved in the civil rights movement, and we talk about that. And they stay interested, you know? And, and, and that's the key to this generation, the younger generation, who are smarter than us, faster than us, and have no patience whatsoever. Nope. And they need a reason to not go to their device and get an yes. answer in 20 seconds. You know, right. you can't say, learn this now, and someday you'll use it. Yeah. Those days yeah. are over, you know? Yeah. You got to teach what I call teaching in the present tense. Mm -hmm. You know, teach, give them something they can use now or understand right, right now, you know? Yeah. And, and give them a reason not to go to the device. 
right. tell them something that they don't know, you know, yeah. that, but, but yet they're interested because they're in a comfort zone of the subject matter. You know what I mean? That's, yes. I think these are kinds of, they sound very like basic ideas, but when, when you see them implemented in, in the classroom and the kids' enthusiasm is like visceral. I mean, you, you can, yeah. you can feel the enthusiasm, you know, yeah. and see it. Then, you know, you think, you know, man, man we're onto something here. We're onto yeah. something, you know? I agree. If a kid, if a young kid is gifted and shows uh, promise in math or science or English or whatever, writing, there's plenty of resources available to those kids to help them uh, grow or progress in that talent. But if it's a kid who has is more of a creative type, they don't always have those that are, that are you know, legitimate. Yeah, well, 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 yeah, yeah, I mean, some kids find, you know, that kind of specificity, you know, that kind of detail, that kind of precision of science and math intimidating, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, you know, especially girls, you yeah. know, uh, that, I, that I've talked to young, young, young girls, you know, you know, they, they you know, they don't like it. They don't, yeah. They're not, they know, they don't feel it. And there's no, you know, so, so. You you know you get them comfortable in the in the you know art, more artistic or imagination area, and slowly they they'll transfer that energy to the math and science. You know that we've seen it happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, and all all we can do is continue to spread this thing, and, and eventually, I, I really hope to affect the dropout rate. I really do. I, I think Good. we can, and uh, you know, it's going to take you know quite quite a distribution before that 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 kind of thing kicks in but um finding a methodology for this yeah. for this generation was already um a success for us yeah, yeah definitely i still remember being 1983 i'm in fifth grade and um there's a music appreciation class and i remember the teacher playing inagata devita and explaining that that song took up one whole side of a record. And I was like, what? One song on an entire side of a record? And I've never forgotten that. You know what I mean? And I looked forward to that class every week, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yes, that's funny. That was a big one. Okay, I I have to uh, I have to ask you about a couple of albums. I mean, you've produced a ton of albums that I love, but I want to ask about a couple of them in particular. Um, one of them is Johnny's uh, Better Days.
I just think that is such a fantastic and special comeback album. It's got your fingerprints all over it. I've heard you say that at the time of going to of meeting Bruce, you were already in the best band in New Jersey, right? The Jukes. And so this yeah. was like, what? You're a. My next album has something in common with this one in that you're a, you're really good at like reintroducing or bring making a comeback for an artist you love. How did how did the better days happen? What was the plan? You know, it was just the circumstance, like most of my life. You know, uh, I, it, it, it's just a uh, happenstance. Um, I was working with, um, uh, he was a manager who had just started uh, his own label. He had asked me for a favor for uh, this other artist. And then, um, and then, and then because he has just started a new label, said, you know, um, why don't you do a reunion with the Jukes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, 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 um, I, I just so happened I had recently seen them and uh, Johnny uh, and, and, and Bobby Bandiera at the time um, had co-written a song. It's called All Night Long, I think. It's, it's on that album. It was really a, a great song, you know. I, I, I remember coming away from the show thinking, "Wow, they wrote they wrote a great new song," you know. So I, I said, "Well, you know, the last record I did with them got got quite popular through the years. Called Hearts of Stone, you know, it became so a, a kind of a, a big deal, and it would always end up in top 100 records of you know of all time." And,
prstom So I thought to myself, man, I got I to gotta at least equal that, you know, or try and beat it or else, you know, I've never done anything in my life that wasn't at least as good as the last thing I did. You know, I mean, that's just my own, my own standards, you know? Yeah. So um, I said, you know, let me give it a shot. And I wrote a couple of you know, really good things, you know, and, and I said, all right, you know, let's, 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 let's do that and make it a real reunion. Yeah, it turned out good. You know? Yeah, it's so good. I saw, I've only ever seen John. I saw Johnny in concert once when I was little, 1984, Park City, Park City, Utah. He they opened for the Beach Boys, and I was 11 years old, and I didn't know who the Asbury Jukes were, and uh, I liked it. It was fine, but I didn't know who they were until I got much older. And now, of course, I wish I could go back because I would appreciate that <laughs> moment so much more, knowing then what I didn't know now, you know, or knowing now what I didn't know then. Um, the other yeah. one I wanted to ask you about specifically was the introdu introducing Darlene Love album, which mm. um, is so special. I'm imagining, if I'm projecting, that you're someone who, like most of us, appreciate Darlene and just think she's never really gotten her shot to be put out there in proper light. I'm going to be the guy that does that, and you did it. Yeah, I was very, very proud of that one, and uh, it was a long time coming, you know. I, I met her uh, early, early 80s. I talked her into moving to New York. Um, and then, you know, just had trouble figuring out how to do something together. Luckily, Chris Columbus came along and said, I need a song for Home Alone 2. And that was a really wonderful uh, opportunity because uh, I didn't have to worry about a record company. I didn't have to worry about getting it on the radio, you know, all of those stupid things that you have to think about occasionally. Sure. Um, and I was able to just write a pure song that fit the movie, you know. But we didn't get around to actually making her debut album until just a few years ago. And she, <laughs> she made her debut album at the age of like 73. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, and I said, man, you know, I consider her the greatest singer of all time. So, I mean, it's, a, you know, she's a big deal to me. I said, man, we got to, we got, you know, the material is going to have to equal, you know, not only her voice, but the occasion of people yes. waiting. I mean, her first number one record was He's a Rebel in 62. 
Ugh. You know, we're talking, you know, literally what? 50 years later. Yeah. 50 yeah. years people are waiting for, for this album, you know? So I'm like, man, this better be good. So I, I started calling all my friends and saying, you know, I, write a song. I'm, I'm, I'm doing Darling Love album, write a song, you know? And uh, Elvis Costello uh, sent me four songs. And I swear, in a, in in like two days. I mean, oh. you know, which was really encouraging. Yeah. You know, Bruce gave me two. Um, Cynthia Weil and Barry Mann, you know, two of the greatest writers of all time. Ever. Uh, wrote something fantastic for her. Uh, you had you Among know, the Believers. Uh, that one's yours. Uh, Yeah, that was one of mine that was just, you know, I thought would work for her. It was kind of an obscure song on one of my records that, you know, Jimmy Webb, yes. who, you know, had stopped writing for people many, many decades earlier. You know, I said, I, you know, got, I got him to, 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 to write a song, you know, and, and he said, you know, what do you want? I said, ah, you know, nothing special. Just give me another, another one of those MacArthur Parks. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and uh, he's, a, he's a funny guy. What a classic guy yeah. he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Joan Jett, you know. Uh, yes. I from Joan Jett. So, so you know, uh, Michael DeBar uh, had something. You know, so it became a really um, a pretty, you know, eclectic, but but uh but a, a pretty a nice range of what she can do, you know, from yeah. rock all the way to gospel. And and then when the record was done, I said, you know what? I, I think it needs even a second gospel song. And that's when I wrote uh, uh, Jesus is the Rock that, that keeps me rolling, you know. Keeps me going. I'll tell you. 
so good. Yeah, which you know that yeah i like to do that when i when i off times when i produce a record you know i'll wait till and see what's needed at the end and then you know write write that song that's needed same thing happened with gary responds you know on both both of those records really uh, daddy's come home and, and, and uh, the last time mm-hmm. where the last things did done for those records really because yeah, just you know felt like it needed that you know what i mean mm-hmm. that little piece of the puzzle was missing so yeah i was trying to make a you know complete uh, a complete experience with, with an album and, and um, totally yeah yeah but the yeah. darling love thing was great you know do you think it did what you set out to do do you think it um well uh, artistically yes okay. I, I, but i thought it, it's it's you know up there with the biggest disappointments of my life i mean it's it's in really? the top five yeah because i thought not only are we going to be nominated for best album of the year we're going to win yeah, yeah. i mean i, I i'm like there's no question about this album being the best album of the year yes. and it would have been the perfect ending to 20 feet from stardom you know that documentary which won the yes. you know which was incredible that that won yes. the oscar the year before you know and here's here's the happy ending to that story yes. you know Agreed. i mean it was the most perfect pr story in yes. history uh, and I, you know, and I listened to what the other albums were. I mean, there was no question in my mind, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I can be somewhat objective about these things <laughs> more than you'd think. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I, there's no question we made the greatest album of the year, you, you know, and it wasn't even nominated, man. It wasn't even nominated. I was like, oh man, you know, there goes the yeah. whole comeback plan, yes. <laughs> you know, just, yes. just went down the drain, you know, and, uh, that was really a big disappointment, but artistically, uh, no, no, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't change the thing. Good. Not a thing. That's the, you know, it's interesting. I've been talking with some people recently who worked uh, closely with Tina Turner on pr- the private dancer era and mm. album. And you realize how much the machine has to get behind these things to really yeah. make sure the world knows this is important. This deserves your attention. This exactly. is the comeback story that is the icing on the cake of the movie you just gave an Oscar to. And if they yeah. don't do, and I never know what what goes into the decision. Someone's in a boardroom somewhere thinking, Darlene Love, uh, I don't know. Well, I, I'll tell you right now. The reason why I took my eye off the ball is because, you know, Rob Stringer signed her, the head of, head of Sony. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like some small label. Right. So I'm like, once I signed it to Sony, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They'll uh, take care of, course, of it. You know, of course that whole Sony machine is going to kick in here, you know? And, and, and the truth of the matter is it's all about management, man. And I, I know I say that I've been saying that for 40 years and I keep saying it. Um, yeah. The difference between something being a success and something not is usually management, I believe you know, uh, because the record company, you know, they got a, they got a million records to deal with. You know, they got you know, a Sony, as, as wonderful as as it is to be with a huge label. You're with a huge label, so right, it's, you know, right. it's bad and good. You know, yeah. the good part is you're with a huge label. The bad part is you're with a huge label. Right, you know, right. and you got you know they got whatever they're doing. They're doing you know five albums a week or something, or you know some you know so you know you're gonna get lost no matter what in that shuffle. And that's what happened, you know, and there wasn't a strong enough management to like, 
say, hey, man, we got to, you know, hire the, hire the best publicist in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's tell this story. This is the story. This is the story of the century. Mm -hmm. This is the, you know, one of the great rock stories of all time. Yeah. You know, and it should be told. Yeah. And uh, that just didn't happen, man. Yeah, yeah it should have. You mentioning Elvis. I remember um, you probably remember this, too. Uh, early 2000s, that whole machine kind of brings back Solomon Burke. And that uh, Don't Give Up On Me album, Elvis writes a song for that. And from then on, I was able to see Solomon live before he died. He was so great. But from then on, Solomon is back in the, he kind of has a career reignition from this flashpoint oh, yeah. where they decide we're going to go all in and recreate Solomon Burke. That should have been the Darlene moment too. And it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I mean and to some extent that does happen. I mean, I mean, it, it, it certainly happened with Gary Bonds because we actually yeah. had a hit single, which was... True. Beyond belief, okay? I don't know how that happened, really, but but we actually had a hit single on this for on the first album, and didn't on the second, and that's why no one really has ever heard that second album, which is even better than the first. Ooh, uh, okay, yeah, on the line it's called. But Gary got an entirely, it literally an entirely new career uh, because of the hit, you know. Yeah. But even Darlene, I think got a, got a kick, you know, a bit of a kick. Uh, you know, in, 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 in her career, a, a little bit anyway, you know, I, I wish it could have been more. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I produced a whole new show for her. Mm -hmm. I produced a whole new Christmas show for her. Yeah. Um, I, I, I selected all kinds of really great band members and, and really, you know, trying to elevate the entire thing, man, you know, mm -hmm. it didn't have the juice, you know, so didn't have the juice. Such yeah. Shame. Yeah. But, you know, but in the end, I mean, it, 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 it was good. You know, I mean, it's certainly better than it than it exists than, than not existing. I mean, of you know, uh, you of know, she was able to, you know, use use those songs in a whole new show, and yeah. um, you know, she'd been doing the same show for thirty years, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so that that alone was worthwhile, and and now and now she's on record as being one of the greatest singers of all time. Absolutely, you know, because you know it's hard to judge those early Phil Spector records. You know, even though her Christmas record was known as you know, the, the greatest Christmas record ever made. Really so she already had a reputation as, you know, one of the greatest singers. And and that was a big challenge for me when I had to do a Christmas record with her, I by bet. the way. You know? I, I was like, I was like, uh, hmm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she got the greatest Christmas record of all time, you know. Yeah. And, and then she challenged me again on the album because she really wanted to do uh, River Deep Mountain High, which is known as Phil Spector's greatest record, you know? Sure. 
So I'm like, oh man, you know, you got to bring the A game when you're working with Darlene Love. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I really had to think twice about that one. I'm like, but she, but she was really insistent because she'd been, she'd been pissed off ever since mm. she was supposed to, it was supposed to be her record. And she had a fight with Phil and uh, supposedly, and, you know, and they gave it to Tina Turner, you know, but it was a fascinating thing to analyze, you know, when yeah. I really analyzed it and, uh, you know, uh, and I think we, I, th I think we did something that that not only competes with it, but it struck me when I when I listened to the two records next to each other. You know, I'm like, you know, the, the famous story is it, it was Phil's greatest record, and it wasn't a hit, so right. he so he quit the business, and you know, whatever. And you realize, you know, if he had done it with Darlene, it very well might have been a hit because when you get to the upper register, you know. Tina, who's just great, uh, has that real soulful, bluesy mm -hmm. distortion thing, you know, mm -hmm. that happens that we yeah, all the love. Grittiness, yeah. The grittiness, yes. Yes. That we that we love. Right. But but 13-year-old girls in a pop market, maybe not so much, True. you know? Maybe a little scary. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Darlene, Darlene has the gospel mm -hmm. thing. She goes up there and she hits those notes. That's true. Good and they're, and they're clean and they're clean and and you know what I mean. So when you listen to the records back to back, interesting. Uh, you know, I think I, I think if Darlene Love had sung that song, I think it would have been a hit. I think you might be right. Uh, speaking, it's interesting that you said you thought she was maybe the greatest female singer of all time. Just a couple hours ago, I saw you tweet that Dusty Springfield was probably the greatest white female singer yeah. of all time. Yeah, I really, I, I, I think I, well, I certainly should say, I should say my favorite, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's of always course. silly saying best, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, she's my favorite. She's my favorite white singer, and uh, with Bonnie Bramlett, I think second. Yeah, know? yeah. I love. See, this is what I mean. Somebody needs to just put a camera on Steve Van Zandt <laughs> and let him spout off stuff like that. I would watch that for days. Are you kidding? Well, um, it, it's really, it's really important to me. I mean. I know. I've been, I've been bringing it up now for, for for years, and I will continue. But it's really important that Delaney and Bonnie get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I don't think people realize they were the center of that entire Southern blues meets rock meets gospel meets country right. thing. You know, right. that was the end of the six. That was the last trend of the sixties. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I I I talk about it in the book how I how each year had a, had a certain thing. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, British invasion to folk rock to psychedelic country sure. rock, you know, blues rock. And the last, the last trend of the sixties, uh, you know, mono trend was 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 that southern thing, mm -hmm. and they were really the center of it. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from being fantastic, uh, you know, I mean, that led to the you know Joe Cocker and Leon Russell oh, and so that whole Mad Dogs and Englishmen, yes. and it led to you know Derek and the Dominoes and you know Eric Clapton and, and Layla, yes. and, you know, and all that, you know, uh, you know, all, all of those tentacles come from from, from them. Uh oh, my dog is agreeing with me. I think <laughs> that's okay. Uh, and uh, uh -oh. it's fine. I'm, it's I may fine. have to go pick her up. I'll pick her up if she keeps talking. It's okay. um, yeah. So yeah, Bobby yeah. Brownman, man, what a fantastic singer. Fantastic. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. So let me ask you this: We have some Patreon supporters, and uh, I let them know that I was going to be talking with you, and a few of them sent over some questions. One of them in particular was from Andy Shaw, and he wanted to know um, 
about working with Pat Denizio on the, his tribute con or working on the tribute concert to Pat Denizio. Um, I'm a gigantic Smithereens fan. I think Pat's sure. one of the great rock writers ever, and they're one of the best American bands ever. What is your What are your feelings and recollections about the Smithereens? Well, we we had I had gotten to know him uh, because we brought him in as one of the guitar teachers for David Chase's uh, first movie. Really, uh, not, not fade away. Yeah, yes. yeah. We had we had to. I, I don't know if you, you get a chance to see that movie. It was kind of. I've never seen it, but I've watched no, every episode of The Sopranos. But I've met no, to see mo that movie. most people. Most people didn't get a chance. It was not. It was not marketed at all and not promoted at all. It's a shame. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a terrific little movie. Mm -hmm. um, where, where, you know, we had to teach the actors, to, to, we had to become a band. Right. So, um, so we brought in uh, Pat and, and, and several other people and, and, um, and uh, Alan White, uh, uh, to teach the drummer who had been the original guy on, uh, for, on, who played on Love Me Do for the Beatles. Mm. Wow. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, we found him, uh, Max Weinberg found him uh in a in a in a music store a couple of decades ago uh -huh. and i don't know i don't know how max recognized him but um he was a session guy who, who george martin had hired to, to, no to play on the beatles first records not knowing that they had hired ringo i know? didn't know that yeah yeah and he played on uh, on one version of love me do and, I, and maybe the b-side ps i love you but he'd been living in the states for for many years and we found him and he came in because I, I wanted somebody older because i wanted them to teach because the, the band is supposed to be like early 60s. Mm -hmm. So I wanted him to teach the drummer how to drum with his wrist up. Mm -hmm. You know, that style, right. which is only the older drummers know, you know, yeah. the, jazz, the jazz guys, you know. So we found him. Anyway, Pat was one of the, one of the guitar teachers. And uh, and we had we had a lot of fun on, on that on that uh, movie. And, and then, uh, yeah, suddenly we lost him, which was, yeah. you know, a, sh a shock to me. I, you know, I didn't I didn't know uh, anything about. Yeah, him being sick or anything. So, um, Did you, were you involved in the tribute concert for him? Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. I mean, I um, I did a song, right? And that's all I yeah. remember, really. Okay. I, I, don't really okay. I don't think I um, I don't remember if how how, how much. I, I don't think I was part of the organ, organizing okay. it really. I, I, just, okay. I just participated in it. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, another question we got is from Ian Sharp, and he lives in Colts Neck, New Jersey. And uh, you've kind of touched on this already, the, the work and the activism you do on a local level for kids and musicians and stuff like that. He was curious what, if any, kind of local New Jersey-specific um, work you do or bands that you're supporting or things that people should know. What's it like there locally? Well, locally, we support this thing called uh, Rocket Academy, which are just terrific. They, they used to be associated with the... Uh, Count Basie Theater, and uh, they're not anymore. Uh, then they they went off on their own now. I, I think that I think they're going to end up at Brookdale College. I think okay. I think they're going to be working out of there now. Uh, I think they're in transition, but uh, they're just the best school for for kids to play instruments mm -hmm. that I that I that I've ever seen. You know my you know my my foundation is all about music history. Mm -hmm. You know it's it's not it's not actual musicians. My my. Our thing is music history for all kids, you know. Sure. Uh, but uh, musicians, uh, yeah, look up Rocket Rocket Academy. Um, it's really is really the best. Uh, okay. We've, we, me, me and Maureen, um, you know, Maureen uh, have been supporting them for since the beginning. That's great. Okay. Um, 
Good deal. Okay, now one of uh, <laughs> one of, a buddy of mine hosts a Bruce podcast called Tramps Like Us. His name's Lee McCormack, and he sent over some questions. These are pretty insidery, and uh, one of them in particular was he was he was asking about the, there's a legend. Uh, you and Bruce, in, I believe in the '80s, take a cab to Graceland. Bruce jumps over the fence. He wants to know what your side of this story is. <laughs> I think it was actually the seventies. Uh, oh, was it? Um, I, but I have no sense of time. Um, <laughs> it's real simple, you know. Bruce is a big fan, um, and I wasn't. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I I went back and certainly learned to appreciate Elvis's sure. place in history. You know, I had, I had to, you know, and and I like a lot of his records, especially his early records. But I was never a big fan. I I, I would not have. I was not excited by any individual, oh, you know, you know, okay. it was only bands that appealed to me, you know, the whole, yeah. it's the band thing that appeals to me. If I'm in Memphis, so, 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 Stax so, so. Records is more interesting to me than Graceland is. That's just, yeah. You know, so so <laughs> Bruce wanted to go and, and, and uh, you know, and, and say hello to Elvis. So we took a cab over there and uh, had the guy wait and Bruce, uh, you know, jumped the wall uh you know this is just as true and i was i was like man you know good luck because you know what what if he's got some dogs or something or you know i don't know uh i said i'll 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 i'm behind you all the way i'll be i'll be on this side of the wall so you know (laughs) good good luck and i know i'll I'll be here to bail you out you know Uh (laughs) so he, he jumps over the wall and he walks up to the front door and uh Knocks on the door, and I, I, I think his father may have answered, uh, if, if I recall. You know, Elvis's father, and Bruce was like, you know, is Elvis home? You know, and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the father said, no, nah, he's he's working in uh, Vegas or something. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. and Bruce said, well, just tell him, you know, Bruce Springsteen was here, and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and said hello, you know, and that was okay, it. Okay, we will. And I think he, I think he actually walked him out. I don't know if it's if it was a security guard showed up at that point, or or if the father like walked them out and opened and open. I remember it opened the gates, you know, because mm-hmm. there's you know big gates in the begin and uh, opened the gates and, and let and let Bruce out. Yeah, so that, that was that. Okay, okay, that's a great story. Um, he also wanted to know if you apparently I didn't know this. There's an electric version of Nebraska in a vault, and he wanted to know if you played on that. Oh man, I probably well, I probably did if there is one. Um, yeah. I don't remember which one of those Nebraska songs got you know because that had been done as demos. You know, I talk about uh-huh. that at, at, at some length in the in the book, but it, it had been done as as demos for the for the new album. You know, and I and I when I heard it, I was just like, "This ain't no demo." You know, mm-hmm. this has got to come out. Um, but but we did uh, then try a bunch of them. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, you know, with the band, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't remember which ones. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got an endless supply of stuff mm-hmm. in that vault. I don't know. You know, I think the only Prince has more stuff than Bruce. <laughs> I believe I think, it. I you believe know. It. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, one or two more, if you don't mind. So mm. he says, uh, "Is Restless Nights still your favorite Springsteen song?" <laughs> Now outside the streets are gray 
Yeah, it's certainly one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah play it very we, often. We played it, I think, once. Yeah, once, once uh, for my birthday, as I recall. Um, <laughs> that was it, and 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 it's it was great. I mean, it's uh-huh. it's so great. You know, I think that still still is my favorite. Uh, you know, okay. the, you know he has a, you know he has a, he has several good songs, but but uh, uh, I think that that is one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. Is there one you probably won't answer this? Is there one you're kind of tired of playing? <laughs> no. I mean, no. I, I, okay. you know, I mean, we, you know, we, we don't, we don't, we don't repeat songs that much. You know yeah, what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, it's different than you know, when I do my show. It's completely different. You know, yeah. I do my my disciples of soul shows are like a Broadway show. You know, they're right. they're they're you know. They're locked in. Every song has a purpose. You know, there's yes. a whole story being told. It's very, very literal. You know, mm-hmm. where Bruce is just more loose about it, and um, you know, uh, you know, we might repeat. You know, a few. You know, Born to Run. I guess we do every night. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Hungry Heart. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how, what else we do every night. You know, I, we, not that many. So, okay. um, didn't no. you produce Hungry Heart?
Yeah, that's the first thing I did when I came in as co-producer. That was the first day we did. Uh, I think we did Roulette and Hungry Heart the same day. I think. Mm, nice. So I love your solo career, and I wonder sometimes because you, for a while there, especially like in the '80s and '90s, were kind of flip-flopping. It seemed like anyway from focusing on what you were wanting to do and then doing the E Street Band and kind of going back and forth. If if you and the Disciples of Soul had ever, you know, really taken off. Do you ever think about that? Like, would you have been happy being a solo artist that just did the Disciples of Soul for the rest of your life and let Bruce go off and into the sunset? That's a good question. I I, I don't know. It would have been nice, you know, if uh, if uh, <laughs> if my work had gotten a little bit more attention. I would have I would have I would have liked that. But like bitter fruit takes off, you know. And uh, it's a huge hit. And now suddenly the world wants little Steven and you two can coexist. Well, Imagine you what know, that would be like. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think, you know, it could do both, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, every other every other year or every every yeah. two years, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know, because I, I tell people all the time, you know, uh, if you want to do something, if you have a great band, it's a miracle. Don't take it for granted. Don't you know. Um, and if you want, you really have something you want to say, you know, as, a, as an individual, do it in between band tours and band albums. You know, there's no reason why you can't do that. True. You know, no, you know, these days, nobody works all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you know, you don't put out a record and tour for five straight years anymore. You know, mm -hmm. you you might do two. You know, two years per album, and that's usually an album every two or three years. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of time in between to do both things. And um, I would like to think that's what I would have probably ended up doing. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, I have to ask you about Sun City.
it's my belief that efforts like yours to put out that song and raise that kind of awareness is what ultimately led to things improving over there. I uh, believe that. I was curious. Me too. Good, good. <laughs> I'm glad because you deserve that. Um, I'm curious what, okay, so for instance, if I remember correctly, Queen played Sun City at the time. And we all love Queen. and that, But that was probably a, the wrong choice. How do you view things like that? I well, mean, the, 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 the discussion at the time, you know, uh, first of all, there was four of us, you know, and, 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 and in addition to the 50 artists on that record. So, and, and the four of us discussed, you know, um, you know, Danny was our, was our rabble rouser publicity guy. And he felt, you know, cause it, it wasn't a, it wasn't an issue in America. You know, people, you know, forget about, forget this, but it wasn't like it was a, a front page issue or even a 10th page issue, right, you know? Right. Um, so Danny felt, you know, we might need to do something, you know, controversial or something to get some attention, mm. you know, just to, just to get, you know, and we actually did a demo that named some names, uh, you know, mm. and, and then I, and then I decided, no, 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 this is not the way to go. I want to try and keep the music community uh, as a family, you know, uh, connected. So instead I met with queen, you know, and I met with those who had gone down, uh, and, and, and I said, cause they were, they not only had violated the boycott, but they were on now a United nations blacklist, which oh was gosh. a serious thing. Okay. Wow. They were going to have trouble working yeah. and not in America, but you know, we, right. we don't care about anything, but the, but the <laughs> unions and the unions in Europe were seriously uh, oh, uh, anti-apartheid. Yeah. So uh, the UN's working with me. They're sending everybody to me. You know, they're like, you know, they're looking for me to, to give, the, you know, to help them. And um, so I just said, the, I just said to the guys in Queen, I said, listen, just, just, just tell me you're not going to go back. That's all, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'll get you off the list. And that's what we did. We got, we got everybody off the list. Interesting. And we try to keep the whole music family united. You know, yes, to, to yes. keep it strong. You know, and we did that, you know, with the exception of Paul Simon, which is a whole nother story. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, but, you know, even Paul, I defended, you know, you know, half the time I got him off. I got him off the UN list, too. Yeah. Uh, but, but he, you know, he, he insisted on, you know, on, on his on his feeling that the boycott was wrong. You know, mm -hmm. they were being they were being manipulated by a big machine. Mm -hmm. You know, South Africa had you know, divided up into these so-called homelands, tribal homelands. Mm -hmm. They're knocking people's houses down, forcing them to go back to their tribal homelands. The idea was to then declare uh, South Africa a, a democracy because, mm -hmm. you know, black people couldn't vote mm -hmm. and then bring the black people back as immigrant labor, you know. Mm -hmm. So one of these phony homelands was Baputuswana, where the Sun City Resort was, you know. And and uh, so we we decided to expose that that lie, but they were paying people lots of money. I mean, like a hundred grand a week, yeah, which was big money in those days. Sure. You know, um, to come and violate the boycott, and they could pretend that they weren't. Hmm. You know, because they're the South African government was saying that's a different country. You know, yeah. and it was it wasn't a different country. So we yeah. exposed that. But um, so I so I, I took the position. That everybody got conned, you know. Uh, that everybody got hustled, and and yeah. and and that was and that was 
the position that we were going to take officially, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, not, not hold it against anybody for playing there. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I wondered how you felt about stuff like that, especially when it's, you know, legendary artists like queen, it's hard to, we love them, but we also, it's hard to know how to deal with conflicting feelings about their having played there. No, 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 no need for any mixed feelings, honestly. Cause um, okay. what, what, once we, once we explained to everybody what was going on, Nobody went back. Nobody. Okay. Nobody. Okay. So yeah. we, we shut them down overnight and nobody consciously violated the boycott other than Paul Simon, yeah. you know, to, to an extent. But 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 even he didn't play Sun City. Right. You know? True. <laughs> Just the point. So, yeah. right. Good. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of politics, uh, you're one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just mm -hmm. constantly my mind is boggled at the ignorant idiots who want to challenge you on there all yeah. the time about things. You gotta be in a, you gotta be in the right mood to deal with the, <laughs> to deal with the Twitterverse. Man. I, you do. You do. Oh, it's bad. What are we going to do, Steve? Things are messy yeah. right now. How are we going to fix this? Yeah. You know, I, I just vent. I used, I used, I used Twitter to just vent, you know, half the time. Um, yeah. We are in a, quite a quite a mess i mean we're it's a better mess than it was uh before uh -huh. the election it's <laughs> <That's> true <laughs> <You know>? very <laughs> true but but you know it's 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 the one of the most critical moments in history and uh i have my doubts as to we're gonna as as to we're gonna rise to the occasion man i I, I i hate to say it but um you know i love joe you know he's he's, he's been a you know one of them working class you know, journeyman his whole life mm -hmm. and his thing, you know, uh, has been bipartisanship and, and, really and making, making nice. deals and, you know, the old, old school politics, man, you know, let's get together. We'll yeah. have our little arguments and then we'll compromise mm -hmm. and then we'll go to the bar together and go play golf together and, and be friends, you know, right, right. Uh, the problem is <laughs> that world no longer exists. Yeah. And I, and I mean, not a little bit. Yeah. Okay. It, it yeah. doesn't exist. Okay. Uh -huh. right. So here's Joe. And we're asking him right now to completely change everything he knows about his work, his life, his craft. Okay. How old, how old is he? You know, 78. 78 right. Like that. Okay. Completely change everything you know for 78 years, you know, and adjust to this reality, you know, which is, you know, we only have one working functioning pro American party yeah, left in America. We don't have to bipartisanship means by as in two. Okay. We don't have to No. Okay. And to get that into his head at this age, I fear cannot happen. Okay. And, and, and it's really, really serious because, um, we need to go, we need to go to war right now. I mean, war, mm -hmm. uh, get rid of the filibuster, get rid of the electoral college, mm -hmm. get rid of, uh, Buckley Vallejo, the worst Supreme court decision in history. Um, you know, we need to, stack the court not with four but with six more judges mm -hmm. you know etc 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 you know 
We need that. We need these two. Uh, we need HR one, HR four passed. We need the, these voting rights, you know, passed. We got a Republican Party now that has openly embraced being the white supremacist party of America. Okay, they don't believe in democracy. They don't believe in equality. They don't believe in science. It, you know, this is a fact. Okay, yeah. they no longer. I mean, they've been supporting this this treasonous president. You know who should have been arrested for treason already? Yep. Uh, op openly, openly treasonous from from before he was took office. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. when he brings Manafort in to adjust the Republican platform to leave out all criticism and sanctions of the of of the Russians. You know mm -hmm. Manafort's working for the Russians. He's a Russian spy for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. I mean mm -hmm. literally. You know, uh, you know, and, and, and the entire Republican Party is, is, is completely uh, collaborators with yeah, treason, implicit. as far as I'm concerned, yep. you know. Yep. And, and, and then, you know, you see, you see the insurrection of January 6th and and all of these guys are, you know, no, nobody wants to impeach them. And, and, you know, I mean, it's insane right now is. that yes. everybody is living in the past and not adjusting. And they never adjusted to Trump, by the way. They never. Adjust. I, I kept waiting. When are people going to adjust to this guy, who is an unbelievable con man, yeah. you know, uh, and 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 have completely anti-American, took us down from the top, you know, make America great again? Are you right. kidding me? He no. destroyed Obviously. our greatness, uh, position right. in the world, you know. Yep. And yep. tragically, the same thing happened in England with the stupid Brexit, you know, those fucking assholes, you know, yeah. uh, they 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 fucked up UK forever. You yep. know, the same yep. same at the same time, you know, and this whole nationalist, you know, thing is world. It's, it's, it's not just here. It's not just England. It's worldwide. You know, yeah. I'm seeing it. If it's not if it's not uh, nationalism, you know, it, it's, it's religious extremism, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, one is bad as the other. Mm -hmm. And here in America, of course, we got both. You know, because we, you know, we at this point we have to got to face the facts yeah. that we were founded as a you know uh, white supremacist Christian nationalist country <laughs> with an asterisk, right. and the asterisk is well, some of the guys feel guilty about it, <laughs> you know, you know, all right, that's the truth, yeah. okay, and we've been trying to fix it ever since, you know. Now, luckily, a couple little special words got put into our system like all men are created equal and those kinds of things you know which has been you know the 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 basis of who we really want to be you know yeah. we really want to yeah. be that we want we want everybody to be equal and have equal opportunity and, and you know and all of that you know but but i mean come on man 400 years I know when it comes to our relationship with, with black people you know, 200 years since the, since the, since the constitution I know. 200 years could this progress be any slower tell me i about mean it. jesus christ tell me you know it. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm looking like come on yeah uh, you know and we gotta you know so we gotta you know we gotta deal with this stuff and i i hope i i really hope that these last four years as torturous and embarrassing and destructive as they were i hope some good comes out of it because maybe we had to go that far into yeah. the, you know the, the depths yeah. to yeah. now finally see ourselves you know, know and then finally do something about it you know uh, we'll see you know but I but know. you know i mean i'm i'm the biggest supporter of law enforcement i you know i give the biggest law enforcement fundraiser in the country mm -hmm. 
And a challenge is going to be these next five, 10 years, we have got to get the white supremacists and bigots and bullies out of law enforcement and the military. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's our challenge right now. Okay. That's one of them. One of yes. the challenges, you know, right. uh, that, you know, that, that has got to happen if, if, to even get started mm -hmm. with fixing this stuff. And, um, yeah. a whole another a whole another bunch of things as well but 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 basically you know it's time to you know it's time to integrate our country man you know we're, we're never going to solve this black and white racial thing as long as there's black communities i'm sorry i know, you know? it's true i mean i talk about this in the book in great length but you know the biggest scam ever perpetrated on the black population by the white you know leadership government was convincing the black black community that that, that the black communities were, were there was their idea yeah. you know the hood it, it was their idea you yeah. know yeah. you know what i mean it wasn't i mean if you, you could trace this back directly to the civil war and reconstruction if you go you know day by day and see what has happened it's a miracle any black person accomplishes anything in this country. So true. You know, I mean, they never had a chance and, and they kept being knocked back, knocked back, knocked back, you know? So, I mean, I'm, I'm like, at this point, I know the solution. Okay. Yeah. No, nobody's going to like the solution, but I know the solution. Integrate the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, you know, I would buy every black family, a house in the suburbs right yep. now. Yep. Okay. And, yep. I, and that's what I would do. All right. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and finally get rid of this black community thing, which, you know, because of their creativity and, and you know, resilience, you know, uh, they've managed to some great, great things have come out of it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's insulting to say to a black person, you need a, you, you need a black person living on both sides of you in order to be creative, uh, you know, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, come on, you know. So you know, I don't think black individuals need the black community, you know, right. to function. Okay, you know, let me, let me just sum it up. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, you have to make some adjustments. You have to make sure that you know there are black churches uh, out in in the suburbs. You know, every every so often, you know, to make sure that the you know the black churches uh, are there to take care of of the new the new black you know. Uh, population out, out, in, in, out there, but, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's solutions to these problems, you know, and I'm not saying they're easy to implement, but, I, I you know, part of my brain looks at this stuff now for 40 years. And I tell you right now, I know how to, I know how to solve it. You know, yeah, I can solve I racism it. in one generation, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, we could solve, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of solutions. If people just, you know, stop for a minute and think about it. I mean, I know, you know, I mean, same it's thing so with you know, women's women's rights. I mean, mm -hmm. every time somebody uses the word abortion, they're playing into the hands of these religious extremists mm -hmm. who are controlling our country. You know, uh, no one should use the word abortion. We should you, you replace the word abort whatever you hear abortion, replace it with women's equality. Exactly. Women's rights. Okay, yep. Yep. <laughs> that's what that's what that's about. You know, yeah. we don't have a right. Anybody have a right to tell women what they can or can't do with their body. All right. Period. Mm. Period. You know, uh, and, and that, yep. you know, that is now, uh, you know, our one contribution to the world thought to, to, to po political 
philosophy is separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. And man, we've been and we've been losing ground on that. Exactly. Ever since Reagan invited the Christian right wing into the White House. Yeah. Okay. And and, yep. and and literally, you know, we've been losing ground uh, every 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 year on that. And, and yep. that is our one, the one thing we've we've we, you know, the one great thing we've yeah. contributed. You know, it's so, I mean, crazy yeah. too because organized religion can decade after you know generation after generation becomes less and less popular. But the influence of organized religion becomes more and more intense. Exactly. Exactly. The same I with mean, like you were yeah. saying, like most this our country is largely liberal by the numbers. But because so these conservative Republicans are going down and down in numbers, but their influence is getting more and more because of propaganda like Fox News but we need, and everything but we, else. But we, but we need to start acting like they are the enemy. Yes. Not yeah. not just you know uh you know we're all yeah. americans but we have slightly different opinions no no republicans are no longer qualified yeah. as pro-american and they right. need to be snuffed out and exterminated like the fucking cockroaches that they are okay and that yep. means the gerrymandering and and, every, and everything else man you know the state houses i mean they gotta go. They gotta. They yeah. gotta be removed, or else, or else we're not gonna have democracy anymore in this country. Yeah. And, and we're already facing the social media thing. I think is gonna is gonna be the biggest question our country has ever had to face, man. I agree. You know, which which is you know, we may have to decide whether we want to have democracy or whether we want to have free speech. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, I hate to say it, but we're yep. heading in that direction. Yeah. And, and if things don't get adjusted here, we're gonna have to make that decision someday. Yeah. And that's going to be a real tough one, okay? Yeah, because, you know, the lies are traveling faster than the truth can keep up, man. It's true. You know? It's true. Perfectly yeah. said. Perfectly said. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Last question. Um, I haven't asked anything about The Sopranos, but I'm just going to throw one out there. What do you miss most about The Sopranos and that well, chapter of your life? Well, that's easy. I mean... Miss Jimmy, I miss Jimmy Gandolfini every single day, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just a huge, huge loss uh, to to me personally, uh, you know, me, me and Maureen, and, and also to the industry. I mean, just one of the greatest actors I think of all time. Mm -hmm. Just getting started, mm -hmm. just getting started. He would have just done amazing things, uh, and and I miss all. I miss the whole gang, you know. Mm -hmm. I stay in touch with David Chase. You know, I, I see Vinny, Vinny Pastor, and, and my wife Maureen have a have a, a renegade uh, theater. They have a theater group, a renegade. Uh, so I, I I talk to Vinny now and then. Um, I did the Michael Imperioli and uh, Steve Sharippa uh, podcast the other day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the first time I talked to them in a long time. So you know, I don't I don't I don't see a lot of them that often. Um, but but um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Mostly Jimmy. Uh, that whole new family, you got a chance to yeah. enjoy, uh, you know, a, a, along with a whole new craft. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was a whole new craft for me, yeah. which was really exciting, you know. And I, I took what I learned and I put it all into Lilyhammer, man. Yeah, you, you know? did. Uh, and that was, you know, very satisfying for me Good. artistically, you know. But but uh, Sopranos was just the greatest acting school I could have possibly gone to. Sure. And I, I'll forever be thankful to David Chase for taking a chance with me. Yeah, and uh, for having the faith that I would live up to his, his, his belief, you know. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, it was a wonderful chapter in my life. I bet. 
Uh, did you, how's, uh, staying off the sugar? I, was uh, it? <laughs> I think I remember like a year ago you were tweeting. I was so or, pissed off at myself, man. I, I went January, February, March. I went three months. And, right. and let me tell you something. <laughs> One day is almost impossible. I believe it. I All right. It. Sugar, sugar and bread. Yeah. I've okay? tried. No sugar, no bread, no bagels no cupcakes no <laughs> no, no sandwiches yeah. no pizza you know no pasta you know uh i went three months and then the quarantine hit and you know somebody introduced me to grubhub <laughs> 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 and and you know and and i and i just i went i, I lost my mind i, I went yeah. crazy and you know because i even when in my normal life, when I'm when I'm ordering food, you know, I order from the same three four places. I'm not I'm not I'm not a I'm not a gourmet. I'm not uh -huh. a, I'm not a I'm not really a foodie. you know uh, yeah I'm not a foodie you know uh, -huh. uh you know so suddenly I go from the you know the usual three four diners <laughs> to like a hundred restaurants <laughs> you know I mean every <laughs> ethnic group. Yeah, I was like, uh, oh my God, this is so much fun, you know? And I just lost it, man. And I'm so pissed off at myself. If I had stayed on that, you know, I'd, I'd gotten three months in, you know, if I could have just That's stayed impossible. there, I would have been, I would have been in such phenomenal shape right now, which I need to be in. Yeah. I need to, I need to get it together. You know, there we you are go. going back to the world soon, <laughs> you know, and you know, it's bad enough. I've been in bad shape really you know, for, for, for a long time. And, and I, and I, and I, I did two tours in terrible shape, to be honest, you know, I just have completely lost my discipline, my pride, my, you know, my sense of, <laughs> my sense of, you know, value, you know, I, I've kind of just lost it all. Um, but I'm determined to try and get it together here before Good. this next phase of uh, life. Good. But man, if I just hung in there, oh man, that's a tough would, one though. That's yeah. a tough one. No, it was that's impossible. the deal with a lot of these diets. They're not, you, they're unsustainable. You can't cut out carbs forever. You know, I mean, maybe you can, yeah. but it just seems really hard. Anyway, no, no, no not for an Italian American. No, no tough. way, no way. <laughs> well, Steve, I love you a lot. Thanks so much for talking with me. It was a huge honor, and I hope I purposely didn't want to go down roads. I was worried you had had to go down a million other times. So I hope we touched on some different things. Yeah, no, no, it's good talking to you, man. Really, good. really love. Thank of fun. you, Steve. There you have it. Little Steven Van Zant, the legend himself. I'm so grateful that he talked to us. We got we just got to hear from little Stevie, you guys. It doesn't get much better. I want to close it out with another one of his solo songs. This is Mambo Party. This is off his last solo album. Well, The Disciples of Soul. You know what I mean. Uh, Summer of Sorcery from like a year or two ago. Great song. And it just shows like the breadth of what really turns him on. And I love that. Guys, it's been six years. Uh, I kicked this thing off. The first 18 or so episodes were with Aaron Syrett, my buddy from high school. Uh, he's chipped in and helped out periodically. Paul Underwood has helped us out here and there. But for the most part, it has been me and Jan the Man Makevich 50-50 doing this week in and week out. And we are so grateful for all of you. And I should give a shout out to Andy Shaw, who, as I've joked before, is kind of our 
chief marketing officer with as much help as he does furthering the cause and posting everything on social media. So grateful. And we're so thankful for all of you for sticking with us and finding something special that you like in these episodes and in the content and in this is our artistry and you let us do it. And I'm so grateful for everyone who supports us and lets us do that. Uh, next week's guest, as I mentioned before, we're in the middle of a winning streak here that is going to go for another month or two. Next week's guest is kind of the British version of Bruce Springsteen. I'm sure they know each other. They probably shared bills together. Very similar uh, style, similar time frame, similar everything. So if, you, if you're a fan of Stevie and the boss, you're going to want to come back next week because chances are you love this guy too. That's who's coming up next week. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us a message on there, or you can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. We also have our uh, first quarter recap episode coming out later this week, so look out for that as well. And we're a little late on it, but oh well. And uh, anyway, thank you all so much. We love you. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, click the link that's in the show description here and uh, help us out that way. You can donate to the show. All right. Thanks, everyone. We love you.